On Wednesday nights lately, I've been sharing about blessings that come on our life. And uh, last week, uh, the message was the blessing of perseverance. You know, when we persevere through a difficult journey, oftentimes the result is great blessing. And, and um, you know, we need to hear that, that, you know, because it's, it's difficult to hear, you know, that you're going to have to persevere through difficult times, right? I mean, through, through tests and trials. We don't want to hear that, but we need to hear that, that yes, you are going to have to persevere through tests and trials. And at the same time, it's encouraging to hear that because when we get through, when we persevere through, there's blessings that come. So I think tonight's message is going to go down a little easier, but it's just as encouraging to me. It is the blessings of prayer. You know what? There's really countless blessings of prayer. If you go through the scripture, there's just so many ways that prayer brings blessings on our life. But I'm just going to talk about seven things tonight, just give you seven things that we're going to focus on, blessings from prayer. First, when we pray, all things are possible. All things are possible. There's not anything our God cannot do. Amen. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. We're talking, when we pray, we're talking to a God who has no limits. You know, the laws of nature, the laws of physics, time and space, uh, everything in this universe is subject to him. He is the sovereign Lord of all creation. So I I just want you to realize that our God has the power. And this is such an amazing thing, blessing. When we pray, the limits are off. There's not anything that God can't do. Nothing. And so, you see, what what an amazing blessing to know that when I'm praying, nothing is impossible. But he waits for somebody to pray. One father came to Jesus and he asked for help with his son. And he said, he says to Jesus, he says, if you can do anything, help us. If you can do anything, help us. And you know what I think? I think a lot of people approach the Lord kind of that way in their prayer. They're like, Lord, if you can do anything. Listen, it's not a matter of if he can do anything. Jesus said to that man, it's Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. And let me tell you one of the first things that happens when you believe, you pray. This is the number one reason really why people don't pray more, well, they don't believe. Because if we really believe that all things are possible, we'll pray more. Uh, If we believe that, okay, here's this situation. If I pray about it, it can change. If we believe that, we'll pray. And the reason we don't pray, I have to say this, I say it often, It's not because we're busy. 
No, it's not. Y'all got all quiet. It's not because you're busy. Because if we really believe that God will move and miracles will happen, it doesn't matter how busy we are, we'll find time to pray. The reason we don't pray, listen, we need to get this tonight. There's a great blessing when, when you realize in prayer that all things are possible. We're praying to this God, Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly all that we ask or think. Wow, what a blessing when you pray to know that there's not anything, anything you can think of, anything you can imagine. Don't put limits on God. He is a mighty, mighty God. And he is still able to change to move and to work in this world. See, uh, 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 people are really confused about this right now. So many people, and, and don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Listen, listen to exactly what I say here. So many people are all wound up over politics. And, and even around, I'm talking about Christian people, wound up about, oh, we need to do this, we need to do... Let me tell you where the power is. It's in prayer. That's what the church needs to be doing is praying. That's where the real power is. Let me tell you, you can rant, you can rave, you can get mad. You can fight, you can kick, you can scream, you can cuss. You won't accomplish anything except driving your blood pressure up and getting in all kinds of conflict with other people. But when you pray to a God with all things are possible, all things are possible with him, I'm telling you, oh, that's where the power is. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, that's where the power is. Oh, church, we need, to, we need to realize this fantastic blessing that when we pray, we're praying, praying to a God who can do absolutely anything. Such great power. Second, when we pray, battles are won. That's where the battles are won. They're won in prayer. Always. Listen, somebody had to pray. That's where the battles are won. A great example is, is in Exodus chapter 17. And I'm not going to read it tonight, but Amalek came and fought with Israel. And Moses said to Joshua, you get some men and you go out and you fight with Amalek. And he said, I'm going to stand up on the hill. And so Moses stood up on the hill with his hands raised in prayer. And as long as his hands were raised, they won. But if his, when his hands got tired and he started to put his, his arms down, then they started to lose. So he had two people hold his arms up. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament that those stories were written down for our admonition to teach us something. Here's what we learn from that story is that prayer makes the difference in the battle. Theirs was a battle with flesh and blood. Ours is not. But the principle is still the same, that prayer is where the battle is won. And when we quit praying, we stop winning. When we pray, we win. We just got to realize that's where the battle is. Sometimes we're too quick to give up when all that was needed is that we would just keep praying. Same enemy, see, they, 
they were in this battle. They're fighting this enemy. Nothing changed except when Moses got tired. I want to tell you, we got to keep praying and not give up. A lot of times it's the same battle, the same people involved, and the, what makes the difference is prayer. You can have the same preacher preaching the same message, and what makes the difference in effective ministry, it's prayer. Somebody praying for him, somebody praying that the message gets through to hard hearts, somebody praying, praying that there's going to be fruit. I'm telling you, prayer is what makes the difference. Now, I'm talking about real fruit. I'm talking about spiritual impact. You see, in our world today, there's so much emphasis put on entertainment, even in the pulpit. But I'm talking about life change. And that is a matter of prayer. That's something that God moves and God does. Listen, on our own, I'm talking about in our human ability. It doesn't matter how talented we are, how gifted we are. We can't change somebody's life for eternity. That's a, that's a work of God. He's the only one that can really do that. And that's why, see, this battle, it, it's always fought in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, we all know the apostle Paul had fruitful ministry. I mean, we're still today impacted by his ministry. Amazing how tremendous his impact was. But he said, pray for me. You need to understand that even the great apostle Paul, he had to have people who were praying for him that he would open his mouth boldly. This wasn't just some nice thing, hey, y'all pray for me. Like, I don't really need it, but, you know, I'm going to like play humble and say, pray for me. No, it's not like that. He knew that this is where the battle is won. In fact, if you back up in Ephesians chapter 6 there, it's where he tells them to stand against all the wiles of the devil and to put on the whole armor of God, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. And you see, he knew that this is where the battle was. It has to be fought in prayer. Charles Spurgeon is one of the most popular and successful preachers of Victorian England and his uh, metropolitan tabernacle drew thousands of people every Sunday and a lot of the time there would even be hundreds of people standing outside in the street hoping to just catch a little bit of his messages that when he preached and one day a group of seminary students came to visit the church they heard so much about it and so they came and they, to visit and they went in the building and they met a gray bearded gentleman and this guy, they, they thought he must be the janitor and he offered to take them on a tour and around the facility and they asked him all kinds of questions, I mean just everything imaginable and then he asked them a question, he said, you want to see what heats up this church? 
and they thought, you know, we don't really care about how it's heated, but, you know, humor the old man, they said, sure. And so he took them downstairs to a room that was down below the pulpit, and he opened the door, and there were dozens of people on their knees in intercessory prayer in there. Charles Spurgeon believed that prayer was what brought the fire, that prayer was what was really changing lives. He didn't think it was, look at me, I'm such a great preacher. He knew that the battle was being won downstairs by intercessory prayer warriors. Listen, church, we need to hear this tonight. This is such a great blessing. This is where the battle is won, is when we pray. Wow, it's so powerful. If we'll just pray. By the way, in case you didn't figure it out, the old man was Spurgeon himself. And Spurgeon said this, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. I wonder, I wonder if anybody still feels that way today. What makes the difference in our witness being effective? Prayer. What makes the difference somebody being set free? It's prayer. I'm telling you, the battle is always won in prayer. Third, when we pray, lives are changed. Now, I guess I'm kind of already touching on that about the battle, but I just I want to take that a little further. Prayer changes things, uh, but, you know, even more important than that, it changes lives, and if you're doing it right, the first life it'll change is yours. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. He's still working on me. How about you? And you know what? When, when we pray, sincere prayers, you know, when we get before God and we humble ourselves, uh, it, it, it should never be where we're just telling God how he needs to fix this one and fix that one. No, it, it ought to be for us first that we allow God to deal with our heart, and that we, you know what, if, if we know we've been wrong and we make things right with the Lord, but we just need to realize that if we, wanna, if we want to change, you can get all the self-help books, you can get, you know, all the information and education that you can, but without God, it'll still fail. We need God's help, and listen, He can absolutely change your life if you pray. But prayer is the real key to seeing lives changed. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 19, verse 23 through 26. And I'll just give you the punchline here. Verse 26 is when Jesus says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So here's, here's the story. Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? 
Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, you know, to the disciples, it just kind of freaked them out that Jesus would say it's hard for the rich to be saved. Who then can be saved? Who do you think is hard for them to be saved? Rich, poor, hard-hearted, drug dealer, Who's hard? Who's hard to reach? Now, I want to tell you, with men, it's impossible. We can't do it. Our efforts are futile without the Lord. With God, all things are possible. Here's a great blessing of prayer. This is, this is how you see lives changed. The number one thing that people try to use to change lives is complain or nag or criticize. None of those work. Goose egg. And yet it's the number one thing that people do. This actually works. Pray. You pray for them. You turn God loose on them. Amen. Listen, this is a great blessing that when we pray, those lives are changed. See, we need, we need to pray for people that don't know the Lord. We need to pray for Christians that act like they don't know the Lord. Amen. But we also we just need to pray for all our brothers and sisters. We all need prayer. You know, the Bible says pray for one another. We need to be doing that, always praying for one another, interceding, lifting each other up. But, you know, when you, we're talking about our world, you know, and the lost and our leaders, and prayer makes the difference. And the Scripture admonishes us to pray for all those in authority, to pray for them. In fact, you won't find anywhere in the Scripture where we're encouraged to criticize them and accuse them and complain about them. But we are told many times to pray for them. I love this. One man said, Men may spur our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Amen. That's where the power is. You know what? When somebody's missing church, well, you ought to call them. But before you do, pray for them. Prayer works. When somebody's involved in things that aren't pleasing to the Lord, pray for them. Don't talk about them except to God. We need to pray for those that are going through a difficult time that they'll be strengthened in the inner man. Here's a great prayer. The Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians. In Ephesians 3.16, he said that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, I love this because this is a prayer that the Holy Spirit had written down in the word of God. That makes it authoritative. That makes it powerful. And that makes it God's will. This is a, 
a powerful prayer that we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ whenever they're going through something. We can pray that God will strengthen them in that inner man. And it makes the difference. I'm telling you, pray for one another. Lift them up. Those that are struggling. You know, one of my favorite examples of this is on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, Jesus told Simon Peter, he says, Simon Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. So what a great blessing to be able to pray for others and know that God will move and work in their life and help them. Now, prayer brings this great blessing. When we pray, burdens are lifted. Burdens weigh us down. They steal away our joy, our peace, our strength. And you know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the cares of this life would choke out the seed of the word of God and keep us from being fruitful. It's so important that we don't allow ourselves to get under this load of care, this burden where we're just weighted down. I find myself sometimes... um, Like Martha, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house for dinner, and Jesus told Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. Anybody troubled about many things? Some of you thinking, no, just one, one big one. But whether it's one big one, are many things, I'm telling you, it will eat your lunch spiritually. That's not how you're supposed to live. And it's in prayer that that burden is lifted. That story of Martha in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40 It says that Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You know, sometimes when we're under a load, under a burden of stress and care, you know, we start blaming others. We get upset with others and even... In our attitude towards the Lord, notice that she said, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister isn't helping me? And I just, I just want to encourage you. That's not how we're supposed to live. And the answer, the way to deal with that is in prayer. Jesus tells Martha, he says, 
He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her because Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. And you know what? That's exactly where we need to be sometimes. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, I've heard people try to defend Martha and say, well, you know, I've got to be Martha because I've got responsibilities. Well, let me tell you something. We should all fulfill our responsibilities, and we ought to all have peace while we do it we're not supposed to be all burdened down and beat up no I'm t- you can have you can have your cake and eat it too you can have the peace of God and still feel fulfill your responsibilities you can do it with joy and victory in your heart instead of being anxious and troubled and worried all the time Proverbs 12 25 says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression being all stressed out, it will just weigh you down. You lose your joy, you lose your strength. But when the burdens are lifted, our way gets brighter, our steps get lighter. I know most of you know the passage from uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know what? I believe that these words are just as much for us as they were that day that he spoke them. That's why it's recorded in the Word of God. These words are for us. Jesus speaks these words to us. Come to me. You are weary and heavy laden. You know, sometimes the... The responsibilities of life, you know, we just allow it to get so heavy on us. But Jesus invites us to come and he says, I'll give you rest. This is one of the greatest blessings of prayer is that those burdens are lifted. He says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. And see, church, this happens when we're with Jesus in prayer. When we're talking to the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. You got to be willing to relinquish it to him. You know, when you pray and you feel this this weight, this burden, let me tell you when you need to, uh, or when you're done praying, when the burden's gone. Well, I prayed for 45 minutes and I was... Well, you either just need to keep on praying or you need to make up your mind you're going to give it to the Lord and leave it there. Quit carrying a weight that you're not intended to carry. You're not supposed to be burdened down. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus see we're supposed to have that peace of God what a great blessing so if we're stressed out and upset we just need to go to the Lord in prayer why should we live like those who don't know the Lord that's not right this is real we can, we can go to God and we pray until the peace comes. There's none of this throw up a prayer thing. Oh, I'm going to throw up a prayer. I don't even know what that means. Well, I do, kind of. It's like, you know, 
kind of a religious way to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it the old religious try, you know. No, we're not throwing up a prayer. We're going to pray until peace comes. And here, here's one of the ways you know you got peace. It's when you get to that place, not where you're pretending, but when you're actually able in sincerity to say out of your mouth, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of this. Thank you, Lord, for supplying the need. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Lord, for helping my child find their way. Thank you, Lord. It's when you get you pray through until that burden is lifted, the peace comes, and you can thank God for taking care of it. That's why you pray with thanksgiving, because you believe that God's taking care of it. But you see, you got to get to that place where you're willing to turn it over to God in prayer and let that peace come, and it'll guard your heart and your mind. Fifth, we, when we pray, we're blessed with guidance and direction for our lives. I, uh, I've had a few times in my life when I made some decisions that I didn't pray about or at least not enough. Sometimes a little dab won't do you. I read in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, Jesus prayed all night. Did you know that Jesus prayed all night before he picked the twelve? I mean, some people think, you know, Jesus was just kind of floating around on a cloud and he knew everything and he just was like, okay, you, 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 you. He prayed all night before he picked the twelve. Years ago, I picked some leaders without much prayer. They were spiritual people. They should be good leaders. What a train wreck. That's all I'm going to tell you. It was a train wreck. It was a disaster. There were people that got out of church. Wrecked people. Jesus prayed all night. You got a decision to make? You pray. You pray until you believe God's given you direction. Now, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to get direction from the Lord, first thing is I pray and I look to the Scripture because so often the Holy Spirit will speak to us through a verse of Scripture. His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And oftentimes I also seek godly counsel. That's a scriptural thing to do. But I think the most important thing is to follow Jesus' example Whenever you have a decision to make, you pray. And you, you, in sincerity, you put it before the Lord and say, not my will, but your will. What do you want, God? Because, you know what, if we're not willing to put aside our wants, then oftentimes we'll end up allowing our feelings to lead us and guide us and give the Lord the blame. Now, we got to truly seek his will and not just what we want and be willing to do whatever God says. Six, when we pray, we are blessed with strength. Jesus told the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, pray 
that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus knew that if they spent time in prayer, they would be ready to handle the trials, the tests, the temptation that was about to come their way. That it's in prayer that we are most likely to hear his voice to give us wisdom and direction and to strengthen us for the battle that's ahead. You know, apart from him, Jesus says we can do nothing. But it's when we abide in him that then we can bear much fruit. He's the one that strengthens us. Isaiah 40, 31. Those that, call, or the, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that wait on the Lord. You know, when, you're, when you spend time with the Lord, there is a refreshing that comes. There's a renewal that comes. And when, you know, when our strength would run out, I'm just telling you, when you spend time with him and, and you just allow the Lord to refresh you and strengthen you on the inside, you see, that strength never runs out. That's why he says they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's because we're spending time with the Lord. And I know that even for preachers that a lot of the time they get worn down. And here's, here's the, the issue. Need more time in prayer. It's true for all of us. That's where our strength comes from. It's one of the great blessings of prayer. I saved the best for last. Seventh, when we pray, we are blessed with his presence. Prayer is, prayer is how we meet with him. Like Moses who talked with God face to face as a man with his friend. Prayer is that time where we fellowship with the Lord. And we talk to him. We're actually talking to almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. We're talking to the Holy One. We're talking to the one who is kind and good and gracious, the mighty one who can do absolutely anything. We're talking to that one. Oh, to sit in his presence and to fellowship with him, to commune with him. In Psalm 1611, you know, we use this verse in different ways, but I tell you, when you're praying in his presence, there's fullness of joy at his right hand. There's pleasures evermore. Every time we pray, we need to be aware of his presence, that we are in the presence of the Holy One, that our Father is not far away. He's right there with us, that he is our secret place, that we are abiding under his shadow. He's our refuge. That's, you see, when we pray, that's where we are. We're talking to the Lord. You know, the scripture tells us that it's in him we live and move and have our being. We understand that in this world, everywhere we go, you know, God's presence is already there. But there's something special about the place of prayer when you come into the holy place. When you come into that place to meet with the Lord, 
Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. See, we're not, we're not praying to a God who's way up there somewhere, you know. No, we, in prayer, we come into that holy place by the blood of Jesus to talk to Almighty God and just to be in His presence. And when we sit in His presence, if you ever had a friend, a loved one, somebody you're close to, you didn't have to be talking all the time, right? Sometimes you're just with them. And sometimes in prayer, when you've said what you felt like you needed to say, you know what, it's okay to just sit there and just be with him. And sometimes he'll speak to you in the stillness, in the quietness. A lot of the time, the reason we don't hear God is because we just don't sit still and quiet long enough. But I'm just saying to you that just to be with him in that place of fellowship and communion, what a fantastic blessing. And the presence of such absolute love and holiness and power and mercy. This one who cares about us. Oh, we just ought to be filled with joy and awe just to be with him. And without, without that kind of prayer, you see, that's real relationship. Without that, we just have religion dead religion and that's not what Christianity is about no it is about a relationship with a living Lord and prayer is the heartbeat of the Christian life it is through prayer that we fellowship and commune with him I want to close with this verse from from Revelations 3 20 behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. I know that this verse sometimes is used to preach to the lost, but it's written to the lukewarm church. But it ought to be a reminder to every one of us. This is so important that we daily, intentionally open that door to fellowship with the Lord. Now, I understand if you're a spiritual person, you're probably like, well, the door's always open. But I'm just telling you, you just can't take it for granted. You need to be intentional about it, that you always daily have that time where you invite the Lord to come in and to fellowship. He says, dine with you. I mean, he's going to commune with you and fellowship with you, just be with you. And that is the greatest blessing of prayer. It's just that time to be with the Lord. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to pray now.